Welcome to episode 48 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian Sharpley. Hello! And Matt Cassell. Hello! Hey, it's... that's my hello you stole. <laughs> I want to... Yeah. It is Don't Monday. you do, like, good evening, like a vampire and shit like that? That's sometimes. Sometimes I do it. It's Monday, March 24th. Two... What? Uh, we, what were we looking at? Two, Two weeks? weeks? Two weeks away from the open of Captain America 2, The Winter Soldier. So tonight, all things Captain America. That's the topic of this evening's discussion. I'm sure we're going to talk some early years when he got to fight Hitler. I'm gonna, sure we're going to talk some nomad years where he quit the United States. We'll get into some of Matt's favorite Captain America. Ultimate Captain America. Is that your favorite? The most vile, unlikable character ever written. I'm excited to get into this. We're going to touch Captain America all over the place. Ooh. Sphincter. You heard it here first. But before we touch sphincters, housekeeping with Ian Sharpley. (laughs) Just like, if you like liberty and... Red, white, and blue sphincters, then you'll really enjoy McSauce.com. You can go there and check out patriotic web comics, reviews, and this lovely podcast on Wednesdays. Go to the Facebook page and send us some feedback. You can go to iTunes and give us feedback that actually counts there because it helps us get uh, more recognize more become more recognizable on iTunes so rate and review us give us five stars and a shining review download the podcast on Podomatic stream it on Stitcher Radio and as always any feedback that you can give us is greatly appreciated have we gotten any feedback no new feedback I can tell you right now if you google image tattooed anus you're going to get some fucked up stuff. Yeah? Let me take a look here. I have my work that computer. This one, this one in particular. Yeah, that, but see, that's... That's a belly button. Yeah, those are belly buttons. This is awesome fun. radio. Oh, yeah. wow. So, um, you know, homework for the listeners. Go Google Tattooed Ace. And uh, you're welcome. Are we done with Housekeeper? Yeah, that's all I had. No real plugs this time. You can just jump right into the show. Sentinel of Liberty, Captain America. Captain America. Steve Rogers. Who's that? Um, Ian, why don't you tell us who Captain America is? Since you went balls deep in research the last time. Did I go balls deep? Balls deep. Did I just happen to read a couple Captain America books? Balls deep. After we talked about doing Captain America. Those who don't know, Captain America was a 
scrawny weakling who just wanted to fight for his country. I had a friend once. Not to interrupt. That's okay. Little anecdote. I had a friend who had his own language. He was at the mercy of the the Pittsburgh public school system. Okay. So even though English was his first language, it, it probably wasn't his best. Okay. So uh, you said the word scrawny. The way he said the word scrawny was scrony. Scrony, young, yes. American he, boy. He, if you, like, for example, if you're going to give a synopsis of the, <laughs> of the comic books that you read, like, because I would think that some of the earlier Captain Americas were worser than some of the more, like, recent ones. Worser? We called them Jasonisms. Oh, poor Jason. He liked the show Star Trek, which I said, wait, isn't that like Star Trek? I like at the beginning you blame this on the Pittsburgh public school system. I like that stance that you took. Yeah, because he was a smart guy. Just But he said Star Trek. To he said Star he... Trek. Aren't both of you products of the public school system? I am. Not I the don't Pittsburgh know public school system. Yeah. Gateway inner city school, I've told Not you. inner city. You? No, not inner city. No, but public school system. Public schools, but not Pittsburgh. Okay. Hampton High. Class of 98. Recognized. <clears throat> game recognized. Game. <laughs> so. So scrony. Scrony, Worser, Star Trek. And I and I corrected him on Star Trek once. And I, uh, I mean, it's in the title. Like, it's. Star he, he Trek. Can, yeah, you can read, right? Like, Could he read? Yeah, he read a lot of comic books. And he probably is a listener to this day. Yeah. Actually, I fell out Shout of touch. Out to you, Jason. I fell out of touch with Jason about. Oh, I don't know. Pro- probably about 11. Years ago, something like that, and um, it's right around the it, time that you started doing hard drugs. Is that right? No, no, no. We just kind of lost touch. You know, one of those things that happens. But but hopefully he is a faithful listener to the podcast. And and Jason, if you're listening, hopefully you'll come around again on Wednesday nights to hang out at the comic book store. It'd be good to see you again, and I hope you're doing well. But let's not you know mince words here. You fucked up a lot of words. So you said Star Trek. You said Scrony. You said Worser. You said, if you really want me to get Pacific about it, I can. Oh. Yeah, Pacific. Now, now. I just lost the listener tonight. Sorry, Jason. No, these are fond memories that I have of you. And I also remember, Jason, I remember how you used to call it an automata, which... That was a tough one. I I will grant you that. That's alma mater. I thought he was going for Ottoman. I thought he was going for Automatopia. No, no. But, um... Yeah, good old Jason. He had it. We called them Jasonisms. He had his own little thing going. And uh, we rolled with it. But they were entertaining. And I feel like the fans of our podcast would want to hear this level of entertainment before we get into Captain America. Because Lord knows we're going to need it for tonight, you know what I'm saying? Do we not like Captain America? No, I like not... I like the, the, the star-spangled Avenger. He is an Avenger. He is an Avenger? He's the first Avenger, so they say, right? Well, according to the, to the movie, movie was he the first Avenger in terms of the comic books, Paul? 
You're wearing a red, white, and blue shirt. I would think you would have the details about this inquiry. Technically, he wasn't the first Avenger. Because the Avengers found him. Buried in the ice after the World World War II business. They, like, grandfathered him in, technically. Correct. What I do like about Captain America is that he's old school. You like Very old, old school. school. Is that what you like? Retro. See, what's, what upsets me about DC's current continuity... I'll tell you what old school is code for. White, blonde, blue eyed. <laughs> no. No? No, that's not what okay. I mean. That's not what I mean. Aryan school. No, I do love that stuff. I do love Aryan school. Ah, yes. A good good white. Before DC rebooted their entire universe, they had so many heroes from different generations. You could look back at the guys from the 30s and the 40s and everything built on top of each other. Nice, rich tapestry of history. And Marvel still has that with at least Captain America and Bucky. And Namor, yeah. The those two human torch guys. There was the first human torch, and then the black. It wasn't Johnny Storm, and then there was his sidekick whose name I forget, like Sparky or something goofy <laughs> like that. They even weave little the, They even weave that those uh, two human torch guys into the new continuity. Whenever Steve Rogers has a few flashbacks, he's thinking about World War Two in the Winter Soldier books. And they include the two weirdo human torch dudes helping them out. They were part of. Was it the? Was it the? What was the? Was the team that they were though? There was a team that they were called. Right? Were they the invaders? Invaders, yeah, that's who they were. Marvel history, what? Paul gets a a, a gold star. So you like him because he's old school. They didn't really mess with him all that much from the original. Uh, yeah, and it, creation. It, 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 it's it's the reason I liked the original Flash and the original Green Lantern because they were those guys those guys in you know in DC history they were around fighting the bad guys before Superman showed up. So you know even Superman, the greatest superhero, could you know look to those guys you know the older guard for for inspiration as to how to be a hero. So I feel like Captain America has a lot of that for. The Stan Lee guys like Spider-Man and Thor and Iron Man and the the Silver Age generation of Marvel heroes. Mm-hmm. They're still the golden age of Marvel heroes. I like his old schoolness. Mm-hmm. Do you like his old schoolness, Ian? Yeah, it's pretty cool. The old schooliness of him. Yeah, I like some Captain America. I like the newer stuff, but I did go back and read some of the old school stuff, and it was shocking the kind of villains that he fought. <laughs> One of the first Captain America villains were the uh, the giant Orientals. He fought giant Oriental... Fighting people. the good fight. Yes. What was, he, what, what was the uh, conflict over? Just checks, man. What's it always over? Was it about chicks? <laughs> Did you read well, it? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Does this look like they're fighting over a woman? It does. Yeah, yeah. I it, mean, like, it appears to me that the Orientals are evil. Well, yeah. they're giant and they are super evil. There was a lot of that kind of uh, pretty racist stuff going on. Wasn't that first <laughs> Captain America issue the 
fighting Hitler issue? He fought... Or he's punching Hitler on the cover? Yeah, but it looks like that happened a whole lot. Like, there were a bunch of different issues that had him fighting Hitler, or in the middle of the book, he'd have some kind of fight. It it, it seemed like, the, and they broke it down, the, the last issue, that the one issue that I read, um, it was actually, I think it was issue number number two, that had this Oriental Giant, and they also fought the Nazis, some wax guys... So our, there were like three stories. Our chief going rivals on. in World War Two: Nazis, Orientals, and wax guys. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I guess it, not let me scroll through the old book. Right Is that there. Marvel Unlimited? Yeah. Which ah. ah, see here, it's not loading the entire book. So. Marvel Unlimited, from my uh, outside looking in vantage point, looks really terrible. I thought it, you had some Twitter breakthrough this past week. It, they, they did. Fixed shit. They did fix some things. They fixed. Um, they fixed the guided view, but from now, from time to time, you can't load the entire book up like I'm trying to do right now to to scroll through. So it's don't they know that we are useless. recording a podcast? It only it only lets me pull up full pa- four pages of this uh, second issue. So, but. I did read this second issue where Captain America fights the ageless Orientals, and it was actually pretty entertaining, man. It wasn't all that bad. Who wrote it? It was Joe Simon, and Jack Kirby did the illustrations, and it they're 1940s-style writing, 1940s-style illustrations, but... I think it holds up pretty good. I mean, it's not the worst-looking stuff on Earth. Wasn't it made in uh, 38, 39? This particular one is from 40... Let me see where it, what it says. 41. 41, so, okay. There, this might even be volume two, you know what I mean? Like, they, they might not have the real first original stuff on here. Um, but it didn't seem like the worst comic book uh it was pretty entertaining villains were were silly and crazy maybe it was the overtop nature of the villains that i really got went along with do you think that comic book readers back in the early 40s saw any kind of humor uh in in this or do you think that they kind of took it a bit at face value i i'd imagine that you you have to see some face value when there's ageless Orientals running around fighting your hero. But, I mean, because the world is a much... Well, this country in particular is very different than it used to be 70 years ago, whatever the hell it is at this point. Um, did audiences back then... I mean, obviously, they didn't think it was as racist as it really is. But do yeah. you think that they realize that there was a bit of a tongue-in-cheek nature to it, or do you think that they took it kind of seriously? Almost well, that, almost like a southern wrestling fan. It's a good might. question, because who was reading comics back then? There was kids, and then there were kids. guys There was guys in the service world. mostly kids. Weren't guys in the service reading comic books as well? I'm pretty sure that that was one of the things that were mailed over, or sent over and shipped over to World War II yeah, the were bulk, comic books. But the bulk of the okay. audience back then was, I didn't know that. was kids. I'm 
pretty sure. I mean, yeah. if not, I like let's revise history to make that the case because that sounds kind of cool. Well, no, I mean, because I, I like the idea that comic books were indirectly responsible com- for us winning World War II. I never said that. Comic Book Confidential, great documentary about comic books. That's let's where they that. reveal how comic books. No, not the A bomb. Comic books for the United States. That's correct. You against can see evil how and tyranny. Something easy, something cheap entertainment you can just send over to your sweetheart on the in the foxhole. The bulk of the audience in 1941 was kids. Pro yes. So bulk. Kids, you know, if you're catering to kids, you need that big goofy bad guy. You need the giant Oriental monster. They're not going to pick up on anything but the subtext of the Japanese are bad. But if they're going to the service guys, the service guys are, yeah, fighting the good fight, fighting the bad guys. Because, you know, back in World World War II, it was black and white. We were the good guys, they were the bad guys. In what decade? we're the bad guys. In what decade? No, I think Russia is still the bad guys, but... Yeah, they they suck so bad. Even their hockey players. Oh, in what decade would uh, you guys say that the transition happened from having mainly children as the main comic book demographic to adults? Because we would agree that adults are now the main demographic, right? 90s. I'd say 80s, whenever all the more mature Swamp Thing, Dark Knight Returns. Um, I'll give you that. That's uh, probably where it began. You know, uh, yeah, Watchmen, I, all that stuff. Yeah, the direct I, market took I think even effect. then, that was geared... To, geared more toward a select market of comic book fans. But, like, the... Your biggest sellers in the 80s, like, your big hero books were still geared toward younger audiences. Yeah, but what Ian is saying... I would agree with you, Paul, but I think what Ian is saying is that's where the... the, It began. That's where the tide started. It was full-fledged in the 90s whenever you have all the image products, the way that... Marvel did right, stuff. Right, and I it. thought that was the question. When did comics, when were comics for adults? And I think it was more 90s than it was in the 80s. I think it started changing. That was when the drastic shift happened. Yeah. It was when in the yeah, 80s. Yeah, yeah, in the okay, okay, you're, you're you both right. Swamp Things and the Watchmen's in the beginning, right. but that's what started the. And maybe that was even like, maybe that was even like teenagers that were, you know, really exploring the more mature themes. Let's just say you're both right. You don't have to. We battle. don't. We you don't. We fight and battle. And where's the scoreboard? We saw a scoreboard. I want to know who won. You don't have to bet a hundred dollars on it. Aha. So you're gonna say. So that's it. Um, that, that's, Ian gets to say. I get to say, and then we're done. And then we're done. We next don't topic. score. That's it. That's it. Next I, we've never done this before, but let's just agree that we're all winners. Okay. Sounds good. Do you think that's been a good move for the comic market in general? To go towards all adults? Because the last last two years have seen upward swings in comic book sales. What do you attribute that to? The Walking Dead. And I say that half-jokingly, but The Walking Dead is is probably a big one. I attribute it to comic book properties being more accepted by the general public. Well, I think part of it is the content in the books is more mature than it's ever been. And it's also being more faithfully translated to other mediums than it's ever been. And that is opening up the the gateway for a lot of 
potential fans that would never pick up a book, but they will turn their television on or go to the movies. So or pick up their iPad and try to sort through more Marvel Unlimited. Unlimited get but they're not even going to do that. They, I think there are still a, a contingent of people out there that are still turned off by uh, picture books. And, um, you know, probably as much as they enjoy The Walking Dead every week, they're still not going to read that book. I don't know why. I don't know what the mentality is. Maybe they still have this weird, like, perspective that that comic books are for children or something. Even when you tell people, oh, I read all the time. I read every week. Well, what do you read? I read Saga. I read Spider-Man. Oh, you read comic books. And it's just brushed off like you're an idiot. And sure, some of the things I do are idiotic. I would like to... Not my read. I would like to see the shock on one of those people's faces that thinks comics are for kids when you give them the first saga trade. And you see, you know, bear, penis, and scrotum. And you see vaginal penetration. No. All the wacky shit that they do. In now, a bear, penis, and scrotum, is that, like, naked or a bear character with, like, a big, burly... Uh, B-A-R-E. Be, uh, mm-hmm. Because I was thinking there should be a bear character that has a big dick. Like Smokey? Smokey, yeah. Only you can prevent this hard on. <laughs> yeah. So we've strayed. <laughs> As we tend to do. So Captain America... That should be a Captain America villain, right? Smokey the big... Hog having bear. Mm-hmm. Why? Why would Captain America fight such a villain? He why would he be a villain in the first place? Because he's from Siberia. Is he? Ah, uh, do they have bears in Siberia? He's from Siberia, the Appalachians. Not this one. For Captain America to fight him, he's got to be. He's dirty a Russian bear. Mm-hmm. Russian, the big Russian bear. Oh, that's the perfect foil for Cap. The the Russian bear. So, well, this this actually is a fairly good segue to a problem I've always had with Captain America. Well, so not only, goddamn America. I, I can't I can't even say it's been a problem with Captain America because I'm not like I'm not super Cap guy. I haven't read a whole lot of Captain America. I don't think that any of us are super Cap guys. But do, do you th- like? I know Cap's faced a lot of shit. And there's the weird Arnim Zola guy who's the who's the Krang kind of robot TV and a. I almost don't even count that new version of Captain America and that stuff. Well, that was that was the the arc after Winter Soldier had Arnim Zola in it. I think it actually was two arcs after. I know. Yeah. I know. I'm no, no, that's that's fine. But I mean, but, it was still part of that same continuity. It wasn't like yes. Marvel now reboot. Yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. So, like, I I always relate, you know, Captain America as being Marvel's Superman. Even though they have vastly different powers, they both have that... They're both the moral compass for their, their teams. They're both the unwavering good guy. But Superman, he's an alien, he's from Krypton, he can go out, do a whole bunch of different shit. Throw any bad guy at Superman, put him in any situation, he's gonna feel kind of at home. But with Captain America, like, if he's fighting a giant man-bear, is that kind of weird? Because whenever, like, I've read a couple 80s arcs of Avengers where Cap's in space, 
And he's there with the Black Ms. Marvel with the big afro and stuff, and they're doing space stuff, and it's... I, I'm like, I just don't get Cap in this, in this setting. So, is the weird giant bear with the penis out of Cap's wheelhouse? No, I don't think so. I think what you're referencing with, uh, you know, his struggle against uh, other forms of tyranny via other evil dictatorships and nations. I thought was, you were going to say bear penis. Was kind of like the, the building blocks of the character and the things that he originally stood against. But, you know, those forms of, of evil can be found in, in any kind of personality or villain or character. And, and you know, hey, let's face it, the Siberian uh, bear, or what's his name again? The the Russian bear. Russian bear. Uh, we don't we don't smoke have ski. <laughs> Comrade is, smokes. Yeah, is uh, he's Comrade bad news? Smokes. He's a bad guy, and and he represents a lot of the things that Captain America stands against. But Winter Soldier is a bad guy. He represents stuff that Cap fights against, but it's on more of a grounded, down home level. Like if you have Captain yeah, America fighting yeah, like yeah. Starro. I hear what you're saying, but like anyone, any mainstream character has had much more grounded storylines and characters versus like these crazy space adventures and, you know, whatever, whatever that writer kind of dictates the direction that they want that book to go. Like Wolverine. So you don't, you don't care that anyone can fight anybody. You do nothing, nothing, nothing pulls you out of the story. No, it does. But I mean, this is you're you're basically filing a complaint or a, a grievance against uh, something that specifically for Captain America that happens in all mainstream books that might pull you out. Like Wolverine went to space and like helped free an alien race of prisoners out of some prison right. space prison. And I've said on this podcast before that when the X Men go to space, I think it's super weird, and I. I can't get into it. Right. Like, there's certain characters that have, like, they they work best in certain grounds sure. that don't other places. They right. recently sent Captain America in his new Marvel Now universe. They sent, him, they sent him to a different dimension where he fought, you know, weird Krang. wizard beings right. and Krang monsters and stuff like that. I didn't like it because it yeah. was really, really strange and it wasn't And he had a beard. He did have a beard, but Cap I, doesn't have a beard. That's okay. You can have a beard. Oh, well, if he's in, you know, Dimension X for a while, maybe he didn't have time to get out his Remington. And the whole time I'm like, where are the thing. neutrinos, man? You need them to help you fight this war. Is Remington still a razor brand? Yeah, I don't know. That's more interesting to me than anything <laughs> regarding the neutrinos. <laughs> but, yeah... They also recently, I think it's, uh, who's the fucking writer? J- uh, Jonathan Hickman is in charge of writing the Avengers title, and he wants to branch the Avengers out and have them be more of like a cosmic kind of team. They've gone to other planets and fought gods from other worlds, and it's just weird, and I don't really like it, because it's all of these traditionally you know, Earth-based, street-level yeah. Heroes doing things that are out of character. Rick Remender is the guy that wrote the most recent Cap arc where he was in whatever dimension. Dimension X, yeah. Uh, and 
Rick Remender is kind of cut from the same cloth as a Jonathan Hickman. I think Remender's better because I think he does better characters. But... More relatable. Yeah. He, he does weird stuff, but I can always follow it. Yeah. Um, Hickman, I have never been a fan of. And, you know, I don't... Certain writers just kind of piss me off because I feel their pretentiousness coming through in their words. Hickman, not the case. But at the same time, his work bores me to tears. Um and it's not bad. It's just not my thing. You know, like other dimensions. As soon as you talk about other dimensions, as I've discussed on this show uh, in our in our earlier episodes, back when we were just a wee little uh, uh, podcast larva. See season one of the McSauce podcast. <laughs> yeah. But uh, interdimension storylines, I'm out. Like Paul, you're saying certain characters belong in certain certain time frames and and settings where they work best. Where they work best, I feel Cap is at his best in the real world. I could get behind Jonathan Hickman's writing on FF because it felt like while it brought in all that strange stuff, other dimensions, aliens, alternate realities, all that stuff, it still felt like that was appropriate for the team. Whereas he just puts forces. Those ideas on teams and characters that they don't belong on. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but even FF I couldn't get into. And that's not necessarily Hickman as it is my opinion on like other dimensions and space and all that kind of stuff. Um, because I always liked the FF when it was more grounded, when it didn't feel like so... Deep in in that world. Are you talking about Fantastic Four or the actual FF FF spinoff? Spinoff. Black and white suits. Yes. Um. Well, I didn't read much of that. I read more of his Fantastic Four, but okay. it's still kind of the same. Yeah, I mean, it felt like Fantastic Four, but I was I was referring okay. specifically to F, his work on FF, which I I read probably a year and a half of that. Okay. I enjoyed it, but it's the only work of Jonathan Hickman that I could ever follow ever gave a shit about yeah because jonathan hickman even uh took over as the i believe the lead writer on the ultimates right did he i don't know mark miller started it then uh jeff Loeb took it over for a short time and then i want to say it maybe even still is the current guy on the ultimates which kind of segues a little bit into the next thing ultimate fan or ultimate captain america uh, a, a vastly different personality than the guy that we get in 616. Agreed, Paul? Uh, traditionally, yeah, I think it's, I think they're the same guy, but the ultimate guy is a darker guy. Yeah, I'd like to hear some feedback on this because I, I did a little bit of reading of the Ultimates. Didn't just you read to compare. the Ultimates when it came out? Yeah, I did, but I, I, won, I haven't read it since then, so I read... Some of it last night in just brushing up. I don't really, I don't remember there being a big difference. And just in the little reading that I did, I don't, I I mean, I don't see a huge difference between the character that I'm reading in the 616 and the ultimate version. So Matt, go for it. I think the big difference is Cap. That's actually Paul talking. Cap and 616 is like. We should keep score to how many times I ask you directly <laughs> and Paul just answers. He's Cap- doing my he's doing his Matt impression. Cap in the six one six is, yay, I'm a hero, let's go save stuff. And Cap and Ultimate Cap is like, I'm a brooding dick, I'm gonna kick your ass. Matt, would you disagree with that? 
Not exactly. Uh, however, you seem to indicate earlier that there eh, wasn't that big of a difference, but that sounds like a pretty big difference. It's like night and day as far as that like... Was, that was my bad impression. I don't have the problem with, with them that you do. I actually like Ultimate Cap a little better than regular Cap. Yeah, you would. But I don't like... I, I normally don't like when... Because Mark I don't Millar, think he's that much brooding. I think they just happen to focus on that point. In the 616 version, he has flashbacks. He thinks about his times at war and the lost friends that I've he read has. Mark I mean, Millar. It's, he writes, it's, you know, it's similar. He writes unlikable characters. But I don't have a problem with the Cap that he writes. You know, he does write unlikable characters, but he also kind of established the Captain America for the Ultimate Universe. So other writers picked up the, the groundwork that... Is it Miller or Millar? I think anyway, it's Millar. Let's define this once and for all here on the <laughs> podcast. Let's just call him Millar to separate Mark. him from the other Millers. Should we know. call him Mylar? Because that sounds like an evil villain. If, like he a want, dick. if he wanted to be Miller, he should have an E in the, at the end of his name. Let's go with Millar. Millar. Mark Millar. What about him? I forget what I said. <laughs> you don't he writes like unlikable characters. America. His Captain America, you think that other writers have picked up on his keys and write the 616 version, which is for the listeners at home, the Ultimate Universe is different than the regular Marvel Universe, which we're referring to as the 616. Right. Um, I don't like his uh, Ultimate Captain America as much as I wish that I did. He is very much like 616 Cap in terms of kind of being a stand-up guy and a, a somewhat natural leader. But then there's like this, this very dark edge to the ultimate Captain America that, that just yanks me out of uh, him being um, like a noble character. Like, I feel like the 616 Captain America is a little more contemplative and he'll uh maybe assess a situation a little bit more clearly and think things through and not fly off the handle and have he's basically the ultimate cap is a hothead i feel like you're basing this entirely on when he first woke up and fought nick fury no, and i'm i'm with i'm with matt yeah okay I, I feel like what i like about ultimate cap is that He's very, like, Mark Millar writes him like he's old school. Very old school. He's 50s, and he's bringing those, you know, they're the 40s sensibilities into the modern day. If you have a problem with someone, you go take care of it. End of story. But the way Millar does it, he makes it a lot more brutal. Mm -hmm. Like, Steve Rogers finds out, Hank Pym. That's specifically what I was thinking. Janet Van Dyne. Whereas 616 Cap may go over and push him around, turn him into the authorities or whatever, Ultimate Cap goes in and puts him in the hospital. Don't you think that that's how our grandparents would have did it? Put your dukes up, you scoundrel. Yeah, but it's the way Mar- it's, it's the way Millar does it. It's, it's scary. And I don't it, think Cap should ever be scared. Right, because the, Cap is supposed to be a hero, and, and even though he's beating up a bad guy, that's not a heroic act exactly. It's, it's very similar to... You know, after um, Bruce Banner turned into the Hulk in The Ultimates, in the very first storyline, ravages New York City. Then, I forget exactly how, but they were able to get him to turn back into 
Bruce Banner. Yeah, and at the very end of the issue, Bruce Banner doesn't really know what the fuck happened. And Cap said, you know, you might want to get that gash checked on your on your face. And Bruce is like, what gash? And then Cap just comes down with his boot on his face. Super douchey. That and is, was like, that gash. That is extremely douchey. That's a kick-ass maneuver if I ever saw one. However, Mark Millar wrote uh, about Clive Owen in, in the new Starlight comic book. And, Which I read due to your recommendation. And he was not douchey in that. It's early. You still feel that he'll be a big douche? I don't have that, that sentiment about Mark Millar mm-hmm. like you do. But you know what I do have excitement for? It's the pizza break, which is upon us. Okay. Pizza break. Applebee is pretty, but I will yeah. never watch well, the episode of Girls that she's on. Well, if Sherry Applebee, she gets naked in it. Does that change her mind? Mm-hmm. The new Darth Vader comes on her chest. Does oh, I've seen, mind? I've already seen that <laughs> that scene, so yes. Sherry Applebee, Sophia Bush, gold star of approval from this guy right here. The Metallica cover was very good, by the way. I give that's, it. That's what I heard. I give it the thumbs up. That's what I heard. So we were talking about Captain America before we left. I was trying to tie in Sophia Bush being cast as Kate Bishop to Avengers: The Cap, but it's just too many jumps. So we we're talking about how Ultimate Cap, Mark <laughs> Miller's Ultimate Cap, is a dickhead. And uh, Matt, you made a great point with uh, we both have coat on your face, and then he kicks. Helpless, clearly repentant Bruce Banner. He had no idea what had happened. He no. was he was basically woke up from from sleep or whatever. Like he was brainwashed, and that was how how uh, Steve Rogers dealt with him. He, yeah, Steve Rogers was more of dealing with things with his fists rather than his brain. And Captain America's a smart guy, and uh, I think they kind of nailed the character more in the in the films. The way that I prefer Captain America to be, because if if they had made him with that edge in the movies that they made him in Ultimate, um, in the Ultimates and Ultimate Captain America, I think audiences would have been incredibly turned off. 
I think they also needed to have that center to the Avengers team. They needed to have, as Paul alluded to before, the Superman of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And you, you can't just kick poor defenseless scientists in their jaw and be uh, the moral compass to a team. Yep. Superman wouldn't do that. No, he wouldn't. No, he Maybe wouldn't. Ultimate Superman would. Maybe. Maybe. If Mark Miller was writing him. That, that speaks to how just... But if Mark Miller was writing Superman, he would have had him kick Bruce Banner's head clean off. <laughs> That's, that speaks to how just Captain America is and how how much of the heart of the Avengers he is that you know guys like Thor that have unlimited power like still look to Cap for leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron, um, Jason Aaron wrote a six-part, I think it was six, maybe it was four issues, I'm not sure, uh, Ultimate Captain America miniseries based on the character that premiered in, um, The Ultimates, and he followed the template that Millar had created, uh, to the letter. I mean, his Captain America was a, you know... Uh, an act without thinking, an act in a, um, in a meathead kind of way. Basically, his Captain America's a meathead kind of personality that in real life I abhor. So, um, he was, he was completely unlikable. With that said, though, Jason Aaron and Mark Millar were able to write really good stories in spite of, uh, not so great lead. Um, and the ultimate cap was also uh, boosted with um, art by Ron Garney. And, there were, um, and if you know comic books and comic book artists, you know that that is saying something. So never, if you know the McSauce comic book podcast and Matt's throbbing yeah. boner, then you know. I never Ron read Garney. the Ron Garney stuff when I I read, I guess the first two volumes of Ultimates when Millar and Brian Hitch did it. Mm-hmm. And then Jeff Loeb and Joe Madrero took over and I didn't... Boy, did I stuff. hate that. Yeah, I didn't like it either. Oh. Man, Jeff Loeb is like home run or complete strikeout. There's no in-between. Talk about unlikable characters. That featured some pretty despicable <laughs> characters. I remember the Hawkeye featured in that book. I want to say... That I was that the anger that I had towards that particular take on those characters had a lot to do with us forming McSauce because I remember talking to well, I, I remember this <laughs> no I, no I remember this very very clearly I remember that came out and me and you had like an hour conversation about or at least maybe it was one sided I remember bitching about this a lot and then eventually. Laughed about some shit. Started talking I about maybe your doing ire over the Jeff Love Joe yeah. Mad Ultimates, and it was it preceded us actually getting together doing a comic strip. The feelings that I had for that and needing to get that off my chest, I think, was a prompt to us the, doing the strip together. The sauce comic strips are an, an emotional release for us. Get some things out of our systems. It's yeah. healthy. For as big a, a douchebag and a meathead as Mark Millar's Ultimate Cap was, I liked, I liked, I still liked some of the core things about him. I liked that he felt he was so displaced, mm-hmm. even more so than 616 Cap. Agreed. Or even Chris Evans' Cap in the movies. 
Like, he was so displaced in this new world that he really retreated into himself. Well, that's because that character never, in 616, had to go through the transition that he did in Ultimates or in the movies. Is because he was created in that time period and just kind of evolved along the way. I'm not really sure at what point they determined he had been frozen for years and years and years within the context of the comic books. Of Ultimates? No, of the regular cap. Well, because the... They did it it real time when Stanley brought him into the Marvel The original series was just canceled, and then it had about... I don't know for sure, but it might have been like a 10-year gap Was it really? I didn't know that. There was a gap in between whenever his appearance in the Avengers and his last appearance in, like, Captain America. Really? So, I mean, yeah, Paul hit it right on the head. It was done in real time. It's much more shocking to bring somebody back in 2001 when right, they're frozen in right. the 40s. So I thought that they really hit that home with the fact that, you know, all, everybody he knew was either dead or super fucking old. Mm-hmm. All the, you know, traditions and values that he held tight were <laughs> completely spun on their head. And they, they did a great, Millard did a great job of highlighting that in a book that had a bunch of other things going on. But that's what I remember clearly about Captain America. I just realized that um, that they they made Captain America back in 1992, and it was called Forever Young with Mel Gibson. <laughs> I never saw that movie actually. Is that too deep of a cut? Um, yeah, it's absolutely too too deep of a cut. But I know the movie. I enjoyed it. I never saw Forever Young. And you what? know, I've tell I've, me about. I forgot it. about it because. Um, Someone, it may have been that old comic smell, was just talking about Mel Gibson movies. And I know there's more Mel Gibson movies out there I like, and that's one of them. I really like Forever Young. I haven't seen it in a long time. It was that old comic smell because they were talking about The Road Warrior and um, Thunderdome. I've never seen any of those movies. They failed to mention What Women Want. I'll let it slide. I'll bet you will. Oh. I've seen Ransom. I've seen Lethal Weapon 1, 2, 3, and... Is there four? There's four, right? Is, is four, 2 man. the one where Danny Glover is on a bomb on the toilet? Yeah. I, I don't remember. Yes. That's the only Lethal Weapon I've seen. Are you serious? Yep. Yeah. Not saw, even four with Chris Rock in it. I saw Lethal Weapon 2 at the Super Saver Cinemas back when it was $1. And I went with my friend... Jason? No, Mark. My friend Mark and his grandparents... Took us to see it, and uh, his grandmother kept calling it legal weapon, and uh, maybe she was related to Jason. I don't know, but poor Jason, you beat the (laughs) shit out of him out of nowhere at the open of the show. I did not. You beat the piss out of that poor guy. It's therapeutic. So anyway, it was really weird because there was a, a sex scene in Lethal Weapon too, and sitting there with my friends, uh grandparents as, as this... Horned-up really, grandparents. Yeah, right. As, as uh, this really attractive, blonde South African girl is humping the shit out of Mel Gibson. And I'm, like, sitting there as a as a nine-year-old that's just starting to realize, like, I've got, you know, weird feelings in my in my loins whenever I see... Was that the girl. first time that you realized it? Right there? No, no. 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 No? No, I would say a little before that, but I don't remember my first time when I 
You know what? This, this isn't the podcast for No, it, it's not. It can be. And? I remember... I remember Ghostbusters and Sigourney Weaver, and I was like, wow, this is this is different. I think mm. I like that girl. You know what? I would probably say that I was first, like, attracted to cartoon characters. Is that fucking weird? No. Gadget. I, at some, yeah, somewhere we've done like, this break before. <laughs> Daphne or... We, yeah, we, we should, uh, talked we've about done this before. before. Yeah, Peg from... Uh, or Pam from... Peg, uh, Married with Children. No, no, no. I th- Pam from Goof Troop. Sexy. Mm. Big butt. That's mm. right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> But yeah, not to do the cartoon sexy break again, but... Um, why, so do you're, to, why do you have to play to the stereotypes? I know, right? <laughs> so, Lethal Weapon. So, yeah... Yeah, I'm surprised you've only seen the one Lethal Weapon, Paul. They're all actually very good. The second one is excellent because it introduces Joe Pesci, and his character's a lot of fun. But the first one's probably the best one. It has a great, great uh, hand-to-hand like fist fight at the end with um, Mel Gibson and Gary Busey. What are the Eddie Murphy movies with Axel Foley? Beverly, Beverly Hills, Hills Cop. Cop. I've only seen Beverly Hills Cop 3. Really? Which which Beverly Hills Cop is it where they go to like the Disneyland type? Beverly Hills Cop three. That's the only Beverly Hills Cop I've seen. Isn't Bronson Pinchot also in that one? Seems like he would be in that one. I don't know who that is. Belky. Belky from Perfect Strangers. Oh, he's in one and three. Here's a really great cameo in in Beverly Hills Cop three. Get ready, folks. <laughs> I'll give you each one guess. No, we're not guessing it. Just cut deep already. George Lucas. Really? Yes. But there's a sequence where Eddie Murphy, and I just, I didn't realize this until I happened to see this movie within the last year. I watched it on Netflix, and I'm watching it, and there's a sequence where Eddie Murphy's run through the park, and he cuts in front of a guy to get on that Ferris wheel as he's, like, running away from the bad guys. Yeah. And the person that he cuts in front of is is George Lucas and his girlfriend, really? and, and George Lucas goes, "Hey," and and he's like, "Oh, sorry, they're sending me up to." It's kind of like, I I gotta oil the chain. See how greasy that sounds, or or dry. I can't remember exactly what he said, but um, yeah. So Eddie Murphy cut in front of George Lucas. And- I heard the other day that Eddie Murphy was supposed to be Winston Zedmore. In the Ghostbuster movies. That would have been so bad. I don't know. That might have been really good. No, I, I, I feel like Eddie Murphy would have been too big for that role. Yeah. Yeah. He, Winston was the straight guy. He was... Yeah. He was the, 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 the stars of that movie are, in my, in, in my opinion, it's always been Bill Murray, in order, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, and then... Winston Zedmore. Yeah. And I feel like if it was Eddie Murphy, he would have been too big and tried... He would have played it up too much and taken good screen time away from the other three. I don't know. I always thought that Ernie Hudson was a little flat and... Perfect. Perfect chemistry with those other three. If you say so, but in an alternate dimension, I'd like to hear that. I've seen shit that would make you turn white. Speech done as Eddie Murphy. That would be amazing. What alternate dimension is this where I'm in favor of the black guy and you're not? I don't know. That's because he's in favor of another black guy with more power. A more powerful man. I'm with you on that, Paul. 
I think that uh, Ernie Hudson was right on. I like Ernie Hudson in everything I saw him in. I liked him as the retard in the hand that rocks the cradle. I liked him in The Crow. As the, he was in The Crow. You... As the cop. I don't remember that. I'm just pulling it up right now. But... I loved him as Gus's dad in Psych. Never saw it. Never even heard of it. Have I heard of do it? You I watch, think I heard of it. Paul, do you watch Siren's new comedy on no, USA? No, but now that, now that Psych... Is ending tomorrow night, or Wednesday night? Wednesday night. Uh, I think I'm probably going to pick up Sirens. Pretty good. Watch the first two episodes. I think they said "dick bag" was like the third word in the first episode. <laughs> dick bag's always the third word. Might drink, be two words actually. Drink so, that beer, son. We're getting drunk tonight. The third and so yeah, I mean, Ernie Hudson would be a great Captain America. Well, would you cast, but in the 80s, would you have cast Ernie Hudson as Isaiah Bradley, the black Captain America? Ian, in your hours of Captain America research, did you find out when exactly Isaiah Bradley was Captain America relative to Steve Rogers? Because I always felt it was a Hal Jordan, Guy Gardner, Green Lantern thing where Hal couldn't for some reason, beat Green Lantern, so Guy Gardner took over. Isaiah, I thought it was the same with Steve Rogers and Isaiah Bradley. In 2003, they released a series called Truth, Red, White, and Black. What an amazing title. About the Super Soldier program. In 1942, the original, they kind of reconned it, and the original test subject was um, Isaiah Bradley, who was technically... In this version, the first Captain America. So that happened. Uh, that story came out in two, 2003. I haven't read that. Um, I read some more traditional Captain America works. The Winter Soldier. Uh, that first Captain America skimmed over some ultimate stuff. I could be wrong, but I feel like Captain America does not have a very solid... Um, History, as far as like classic stories, I mean, we're talking about a character that has existed since. Was he created in forty one? Yes, by comics legends Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. And I feel like Joe Simon of Simon and Simon and Simon, eighties buddy cop comedy. No. no, my name is Simon, and the things I draw come true. That guy. <laughs> Do we not know him? I'm the deep cut guy. <laughs> Are you kidding? Simon and Simon is not a deep cut. What and was my Mike Myers' cut? Simon certainly is is less deep of a cut than Simon and Simon. Forever Young wasn't a deep cut. That was Elijah Woods' like first movie, was it? I don't think I don't think Forever. Or, no, it, was, it wasn't. It the wasn't. Good Son, I think, was actually, but whatever. To your point that Captain America doesn't have a lot of classic storylines, I would agree with you. All the newer ones, the uh, Ed Brubaker stuff, that's all the classic stuff that I know. That's right. the things that I'm more familiar with. Even the newer Avengers stuff that he's been in, like Civil War, is more um, ingrained in, are, in my idea but, of Captain America. But even America. something like Civil War, that's an Avengers story. That's a Marvel story. It's not really a Captain America story. No, but he was the he main was character. a central figure in it. And it kind of went into... His own book where they murder him. But, uh, okay, but solo runs. I mean, solo Captain America stories. Like, what is there? 
Gee, I mean, it's it's the Winter Soldier. That's Man what we have to. Country. Uh, is that the Nomad stuff from like the seventies? No, no, this is Mark Wade stuff. Okay. Uh, Mark Wade had a, a pretty substantial run in the nineties, um, and that I think that was right before he did Kingdom Come, which kind of launched him into uh, superstar status as far as comic book creators go. And um, I don't remember. I mean, I, I the remember. Heroes Reborn. Heroes stuff. Reborn. As much as we probably think that was Famous awful. Famous titles, not infamous titles. I always thought but that Captain America was pretty cheesy growing up. I didn't really. He, he kind of suffered for, from some of the stuff that Superman, you know, he's, he's just too goody two shoes. For a lot of people. I always felt that his Secret Wars figure was very loose. Explain. He was very rubbery. Like rubbery. He, he bent really Just easily. his in particular? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think any of the Secret yeah. Wars figures were of great quality. But I feel like... The they Captain were very Ameri- functional. The Captain America figure was always kind of rubbery. I didn't dislike the Secret Wars figures. I thought I they... didn't either. But the Cap figure in particular, yeah. like Hydrocephalicon Solo... None of the other Star Wars figures had gigantic heads. Just that first release Han Solo. And why was it wobbly? He was like Harry Carey. But that's that's how I felt about my uh, my cat figure. He was just he was more rubber than plastic. Did that also make you dislike the comics later in life? No, I have no problem with Cap. I, I, I like Cap. I really you, like You'd pick up a book and be like, you look like you're gonna be kinda like wobbly and Bendy. I really like Chris Evans' movie Cap. I mm-hmm. like. No, I'm, I also like Superman. I don't have the. He's too good of a character to be a good character. Stigma. Like I don't have that against those guys. I like good characters. I like my heroes to be heroes. Now everyone likes Batman because he's dark and mysterious, but he's still. Is that your Batman voice? It was my dark and mysterious. Uh, it was like Batman was making commentary on himself. Uh, uh, ever, you know, you, you meet people and they're like, "Oh, fuck Superman, he's too good. Fuck Captain America, he's too good. I like, I like Batman. Batman's dark and Batman's badass. Badass. Well, Batman's just as morally centered as Superman and Captain America, more so than Captain America, because Cap's a soldier and uses guns and kills people." I think maybe it was just a lack of good stories out there, or maybe my hunting them down and finding them. In recent years, I've, I've found the good stories that I've been looking for with the Ed Brubaker run. Even the Rick Remender stuff, while it was weird, was still a good story. I, I think that uh, Captain America took off as one of the, the top Marvel characters with the Civil War storyline. Um like I said, he was the main character in that. At least I would classify him as the main character. Uh, and he was basically made to be the hero that everybody rooted for, even though they were sort of trying to make you take a side, but not really. And, you know, he died after that, but then you had the big rebirth, the Winter Soldier, and basically since then, everything with Captain America has been kind of golden until we got to the Marvel Now stuff, with the very controversial Rick Remender, Dimension X. Captain in Space. Right. Which, I'm kind of, you know, on, on one hand, I 
abhor that kind of stuff when something is that out of character. But at the same time, we had been, uh, for lack of a better term, subjected to the Ed Brubaker style of things for a long time. And this was a great way to change it up, do something completely different. Um, you know, do you think it was time for that? Did the Ed Brubaker stuff stop working? Well, I mean, some people might not. I personally, for the little bit that I had read, wasn't really that captured by it, <laughs> so to speak. But... I liked how you laughed at your own joke there. <laughs> it was unintentional. I surprised myself. Um, but, yeah, like, the... the the Brubaker stuff, I always felt like it was, particularly with the art, uh, Steve Epting, right? I, I felt like it, in my mind, Captain America was always a superhero. Superheroes should be colorful and, um, you know, have more dynamic panels and not feel like they're drawn in shadows and and look like photo references used. That was always my gripe and beef with um, Alex Maleev on Daredevil. I felt like you're making it a crime book when Daredevil is clearly a super-powered superhero. And um, it's not until recently that I've kind of come around on that and accepted different interpretations of these things. Because it was more of like a war international mm -hmm. intrigue. Right, book. yeah, absolutely. Spies yeah, the, you know, Winter Soldier is a spot, and he was the main Captain America. Looking at this run, half of the the run from 2004 to 2011 is there is either no Captain America in the book at all because he is dead for a good. Uh, I guess that's only about four or five months there, but then it, the uh, Winter Soldier becomes Captain America right. for a while there. Oh, that's right, with the shiny costume. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I always, I always liked it. It was a different spin. Maybe it was because I wasn't so interested in the superhero version of Captain America that I liked this particular, the the style, the, the realistic uh, version of it a little bit better. Yeah, well, I mean, I, and I I get that, but I feel like sometimes when you're dealing with iconic characters that are really really big, like the X Men, Avengers, Batman. Spider-Man. It's good to have... Most of these characters have multiple books, which is good. And I'm a big fan when they have different creators and the storylines don't really interact with one another. And you... If one is more your cup of tea, you can read that as opposed to being forced to read all the Brian Michael Bendis versions of the Avengers, for an example. Um, so... In Captain America's case, there's really only that one book with the occasional spin-off like Cap and the Falcon or something. And whenever it's just that one title, if, if it's one creator for that long, you might, and it's not your thing, it's probably good to change it up and, you know, try something else. And it was also nice because John Romita Jr. started drawing it, and he's incredibly comic booky versus... Steve Epting with that ultra realistic, really heavy inks and heavy shadows, um, and being a uh, a fan of J.R.J.R., I just really 
was kind of happy to see Captain America in a different way. Even though it really wasn't my cup of tea. Story you wise. and this tea that you keep talking about. Yeah, it's sassafras tea. Yeah. It's a Native American drink. <laughs> That's some of your heritage? Native Captain American drink. Oh. So you like superhero-y Captain yeah. America. I like all Captain America. The first movie was origin, period piece, you know, World War II, Captain America, so... But still had some hints of superhero, Cosmic Cube. They borrowed from Ultimate Captain America, just didn't make him a dick. Straddled straddled some line between superhero-y and espionage Yeah. Um, But Captain America 2... Superionage? Straight up espionage Are you going to have a problem with that? Based on the previews, no. It looks amazing. And, and But I would disagree. I don't think it looks straight up espionage but it, I like how we've made that a word, espionage I like espionage Since day one of the McSauce podcast, we've been building our own dictionary. Maybe Not we should app. call Jason and he can help us with that. It's gotta, He's not going to help us be because, official. like Captain America, you just kicked him. He was... Unconscious to the fact that he was going to get booted in the face, and you're just like, you can't talk, pal. You don't think? Because I'm pretty sure he's a loyal listener. He's an old friend. You don't think that he gets off on hearing his name and, and having an episode dedicated to him? Well, I don't think it's dedicated to him. He does. I am. I am hereby officially dedicating this episode to Jason. What was last week's words? Sludgy Manaji or Sludgy Manaji? It was uh, um, Montaji. Collage Montaji. McSauce Lexicon. It grows every week. Polynomics in there. What other dumb stuff do we say? (laughs) So, I don't know. It looks to me like there's a little bit more than just, um, you know, lurking in the shadows and, and, you know, hidden tapes and shit like that. I really hope um, one love of my life, Emily Van Camp, gets more than just a little cameo. Is she Sharon Carter Carter in this? Agent 13. Was she in The Avengers? No. No. Now this will be the first movie she's in. Because her mother was in the first Captain America movie. Oh, okay. Not... Emily Van Wait, who, who, what was the, the chick in Avengers? Peggy was, Carter. Oh, what, huh? The the girl in Avengers, the S.H.I.E.L.D. chick. Oh, that's Maria Hill. And she's made up for that movie, correct? No, she's, she's been... Comics. Yeah, she's been... She's a newer character, though. She's newer. Okay. When Nick Fury, when they deemed him too white and kicked him out of S.H.I.E.L.D., they made Maria Hill the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a number of years until I guess they got... Nick Maria Hill, first appearance, 2005, created by Brian Michael Bendis and David Fitch. Played by Kobe Smulders in Avengers and ah, yes. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. True. So, yeah, the based on the previews for, Aven- or for Captain America 2... I have nothing but excitement going into this movie. There's nothing about me that's like, oh, I don't know. I'm going in, like, totally fucking happy and excited and ready All to watch. All engines ahead. 
Are you 100% in Chris Evans' corner now? All engines ahead. Uh, yeah. yeah are, you, are you still lamenting? Do you still have... Are you still awake at night wishing Chris Hemsworth was Captain America? Uh, I think that my casting decision probably would have been better. But I like what they what they did as well. And I stand by my casting decision for the Joker. Adrian Brody should have been the Joker as good as Heath Ledger was. I think Chris Hemsworth would have been a good cap, but then I think, well, who, who would have been as perfect as Hemsworth to play Thor? Adrian Brody. You're right. You're right. He's a gigantic Norseman. Either him or Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson can do no wrong. He can, he can be any role. Ernie Hudson is Thor. Isaiah Bradley. Match made Should've in Asgard. Hudson. So. I'm ready, for, I'm ready for Cap 2. It's time to kick off, kick off some movie season. Yeah, this kind of does... Is the uh, unofficial start of the summer blockbuster movie season, isn't it? Four movies coming out in the next two months. Five before rolling Neighbors into that. I think we have to at this point. I have a feeling Neighbors is going to do big fucking money. So I think it's going to tank. Do you really? Yeah. I think... Why do you think so? I think it's got that, like, uh, Wedding Crashers-ish kind of buzz on it. I feel like the Wedding Crashers-ness of it is... I feel like that window's closing. Yeah? Yeah. Well, uh, I feel like the Judd Apatow window is, is done. Why would you... That's surprising. No, I don't know. Considering Anchorman, that you... Anchorman 2 got rave reviews. That and, um, you know, This is the End did well. You were behind that Loved. Loved big Zac Efron guy. It's weird that you're, you have no faith in this. The third uh, Paul, oh, think, Paul and Ovich, I way. think I'm going to like... Like, I, I think I'm going to go in... I'm going to like it. I like Seth yeah. Rogen. Love Zac Efron. But overall, like, I... I I don't know how well it's going to do. It looks really A good. A man of the people such as yourself has, <laughs> has your finger on the pulse. And and you have assessed that, that the people say that they are tired of the R-rated uh, Apatow-style comedies. They want a little... They want to go back PG-13 Adam Sandler circa. Is that... I just... I, I just don't think this looked... Very good. Like I've seen the trailer for it, and it looks it looks okay. I think it looks. I laughed every okay. time I saw all the various different trailers that I've seen. Been pretty entertaining. But I think the people are going to be incredibly entertained by this. I personally won't go see it, but I think that I will go see it the second week that it's out. I think that I will save my trip to the theater. For the second week as well. We may actually... we May, actually may 16th get... is the week that fans of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast join us as we go May 16th to see Neighbors. Well, we may actually get McSauce Field Trip on April 4th for Captain America. Our good buddy Justin's coming in. Is he? It's a guaranteed thing. We're absolutely going... Uh, your pants. Oh. So we're definitely going to see Cap. We may actually I don't even get know Justin. We may actually get McSauce. You do know Justin. He was, he was Wolverine at Halloween. No, he was 
Or Tony Stark. Why do I think he's really fucking... Because <laughs> it rhymed, and I wanted to go for it! <laughs> it's Wolverine at Halloween. Isn't that good? Somebody needs to be Wolverine for Halloween. Uh, yeah, so Justin, Justin's coming in, and I, I think we really need to take advantage of this opportunity. To start 2014 movie season right, and really all get together to go see some movies. Get that instant, right out of the theater reaction. You know, the outrage! I was, I was thinking about... Uh, kind of, I, I made a bold claim that maybe Godzilla might be the biggest movie of the summer, and then I kind of like reassessed that, and I thought maybe Captain America has the has the potential to be that, just because where it's positioned, you're coming out of kind of a dull winter uh, movie-wise. A rough winter weather-wise. Yeah, rough weather-wise. Um, a winter that you had to soldier through. Captain America, Captain America could herald the springtime, and it doesn't, from what I understand, doesn't really have much competition until Spider-Man. No, I don't think so. so. It's going to own April, and you know, just like Christmas, we're starting the summer movie season earlier and earlier every year. Just like Christmas now starts in September. As we discussed on our Christmas episode. <laughs> that was in season one. For all of you McSauce loyal podcasters. Yeah, I, I like my cap espionage. I think when I first read the Winter Soldier trades, it really it really knocked Captain America home as a character for me. I think before then I felt him out of place in a lot of situations. But once Ed Brubaker put him in that it's like just the government espionage type world. I was like, "Fuck this! This is where it's at." Well, you know, it's it's he's an interesting character because he was created in a time when you know American propaganda was at its height. You know, leading into the war, everything's great. Uncle Sam says, "I want you." Everybody bought into it because you know, let's face it, people weren't. It was easy to trick people back then because you didn't have the internet, basically. <laughs> and uh, Less information. The only people that you heard from were the people that you went to work with or right. you lived in the same house with. And, and no podcast to sway your opinion. No two-point swing! <laughs> so, you know, now it's... We know all about America and the things that we do maybe aren't... The, the most noble that reflect the character of Captain America. You know, this is a character that stands for, you know, complete truth and doing the right thing and justice. And yet here he is representing maybe a country that doesn't always do that. And yet somehow he has kind of maintained his... Um, you know, the core of his character, despite the, the name Captain America, which is definitely a, a 1940s name. It's, you know, it's doesn't work on the level that Spider-Man or Batman can still work today. Like, Captain America needs to fucking work for it. I think that he's doing a pretty good job. Well, Cap's, Cap's changed through the times, too. You know, and the 
80s with the Nomad stuff when he didn't like the direction the government was going and he said, fuck it, I'm not Captain America anymore. And they're like, we'll replace you. And he's like, go ahead. And they're like, ah, we'll get this guy in a great outfit. And yeah, and then it was U.S. US there was a U.S. agent before. US. He was Captain America and then he turned into but he's, he's US agent. But he's had his problems with being Captain America and, you know, standing up for the country. So as the United States goes... So does the character of Captain America. And I think we're going to see that directly reflected in yeah. Winter Soldier. Well, that and he also stood up to the government in Civil War, which still to this day for me personally might be like my favorite thing with Cap in it, the way that he kind of led that, that I don't even know what I want to call it. It's not rebellion. a revolution. Kind of a rebellion, but... It, I mean, they rebelled against government. I, yeah, I suppose so. Um, so who wrote how, that one? Millar. Millar did. But he was writing 616 Cap, and he wasn't despicable and unlikable. Maybe that's harsh, but you get no, the point. No, I think that's fair. <laughs> so, here's an interesting thing. Captain America. What would Captain America have been like in 1776? I think that would have been a really cool, like, Elseworlds-style story to have a... Uh, you know, an actual patriot from that time period. Check out like a like a storyline. Is uh, what did what was? Are we um, checking to see if that already exists. I think it does. That has to oh. exist. It, what was I think Marvel's? It it's there it was sixteen oh two. What if their what if series was DC's Elseworlds? Um, they they did a series called sixteen oh two where they re. Imagine the entire Marvel Universe in that time period. 1602? 1602. That's that's, that's before America was formed. Um, 1776 is the birth of this nation. Well, I'm saying that this is pretty much the same thing. A cap story from that that era. Someone has to have written that. From that particular... 174 years. Yeah, I mean... From that time frame. Someone has to have done it. I don't know. Maybe it's a what-if story. This is the closest that I can get. Well, I I can't believe you didn't do any more research. <laughs> <laughs> now, what if Captain America was an old-timey patriot? Now, oh, here it is. What I would like to do is I really would like to hear from our international friends that listen to the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. I want to hear what you guys think of Captain America. Is he a douchebag? Do you believe in the things that he fights for? Is he the kind of guy that you would want to lead you into battle? Tell us. Tell us here at the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. We are dying to know, and I legitimately mean that. You really like our international fans. They're your favorite fans, aren't they? I'm intrigued by them. I, I, I mean, don't you think that's kind of amazing that there's somebody in the world, halfway around the world, that's listening to us bullshit about this stuff? I think that's incredible. I think it's only natural. We're highly entertaining individuals. I think we're highly entertaining as well. But, I, you know, I really want to hear from our German friends on, on Captain America. And I, and I say that, like, kind of seriously. Because that character was formed to fight Nazis originally, right? That was, like, his main yeah. thing. And a character that who's... who's Heritage and history is based on that. Um, I wonder what the uh, the countries whose heritage is based on the ultimate evil think about that character. 
I think those countries differentiate Nazi from who German. Are, who they are now. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that they probably wouldn't have that big of a... Germany has done everything they can to wipe the Nazis out of their history. Yeah, they don't show them in movies or anything like that. No, you won't find monuments so, or any kind so of... So I think example, they, it wouldn't be a big deal right? to anybody. That must be kind. why the original Captain America movie, they must have really wanted to show it, have a German audience. That's why they made Red Skull Italian, right? No? No. I, I thought... Um, Weren't they just... They were was, a splinter of... Hydra was a splinter of the Nazis The original, the original 1990 Captain America. Oh. Oh. They made... Not, red, sorry, Chris everybody. Captain America. Deep cuts. Deep... We're talking Captain America. I'm telling you about his first cinematic adventure. Did you watch that one? I was, did. Was that one of your favorites? He had... Literally, in his mask, he had fake ears molded onto the sides of his mask. They didn't even cut out ear holes. They just put fake fucking ears on the sides. Yeah, I, I've i never watched... Um, I don't remember that. I never saw that one. So, And IMDb is having a real hard time pulling up any kind of pictures. Do you have any of those pictures available, Matt? Uh, not at the moment, but no. I can try to make it happen. Yeah, but good anyway, old, good old Johann Schmidt and the first Avenger. German is shit. Yeah. Uh, they Red, went for it. Red Skull in the original cap, though, was Italian. Which was Luigi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, it's me, the Red Skull! <laughs> Here we go. This is a shitty picture, but... Yeah, he didn't look real good. He looked they awesome. They should have fucking went and just gave him, like, Luigi mustache and Hugo shit. Hugo Weaving as... As... Elrond? It's not. <laughs> Hugo Weaving as, as Red Skull in that Cap movie, the first Avenger, was so perfect. That was one of the more perfect comic book castings. And yet, he hated playing the Red Skull and he doesn't want to do it again. No? Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. He said that he has no interest. He will not reprise what the did role. He, what did he say that was the big problem? Was uh, the makeup? Or no, no, no. I, I think, Nazism? No, I just think it, story-wise, it wasn't yeah. something that captured his imagination. Yeah? Yeah. Hmm. He, he basically said it was a paycheck. Wow. He was not... He was not... Um... All that diplomatic in his... He was pretty harsh in his critique. Hmm. Well, that's a bummer. Yeah, I thought you guys knew that. No, because he was one of the best on-screen rendered characters. But, you know, it's not like you really need to see Hugo Weaving for that character. If they want to bring it back, I don't think it would be a big issue recasting someone. I think they can even branch out and go with... They don't have to revisit the Red Skull at this point. Correct. But, if they were going to, since he had all the prosthetics and everything, you know, we could throw uh, Little Mad under the under the Red Skull, give him some lifts, straight up Hugo Weaving. Have to take out those silly earrings, though. He could do the Italian Red Skull, too, though. That's it's what they... me! 
I'm gonna get you, Captain America. Would you gentlemen like to add anything else about Captain America? Solid dude. <laughs> Solid so, dude. So, obviously, we're doing this podcast tonight because we are inspired by the upcoming movie. Um, what did we... What do you guys feel about the first one, do you, if you were going to rate it? I'm not even going to ask you, Ian, because I know you'll be like, It was an 11! <laughs> But, Paul, what did you think? Based on one time that I said a movie that I just saw (laughs) that I liked a whole lot was pretty good. In your defense, we hadn't really Don't we generally make fun of me for saying everything's like, yeah, it's pretty good, pretty good, (laughs) not having like, but one time I step out of the box and get passionate about something. I get bashed for no to the end of time. Except when it comes to Marvel movies. Then you get a little silly. Do I get silly? Said that I didn't like the original Spider-Man. Is that I, silly? I don't. That's think, not silly. Either. I think that that's I. Fucked up. That's also. That's that's, that's, that's fine. also a Sony movie. Okay. Captain America: The First Avenger. I, you know, I wanna, I wanna give it a number, but let's not do numbers anymore. When you give I, it, when you give it a number higher than seven, you run the risk. Of being the Ian Sharpley of that movie, but uh, I, I only should, saw I only saw the first Avenger once. I'd like to sit down and watch it again. Maybe I'll try to buy it before the next couple weekends and watch it again. But I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna give it an eight. I really. really oh, that's it. crazy! It's not that crazy. <laughs> Did you? Did you like... Giving Thor a 13. That was crazy. Revisionist history. Go ahead and give it a number. No. Can, am I allowed <laughs> to? Am I... Oh, thank you. Um, honestly, I didn't like Captain... Don't lowball it. I'm not lowballing it. Because you don't want to get made fun of. No, honest. I don't give a fuck if you dimwits make fun of me. Except on Wednesdays when we make fun of... Oh, you guys talk about <laughs> me so much. Whatever. <laughs> I didn't like it as much as I liked some of the other movies. Clearly, Thor was a movie that I liked a lot. Thor 2 was a movie I liked a lot, too. Um, I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it a... What did you say? Eight? I'm going to give it a seven. I'm going to give it a seven. I didn't like it quite as much as some of the other movies in Marvel Stable. Matt... You're awful quiet. I'm thinking. It was it was a very good movie. However, eights are really fucking high, aren't they? I mean, that's one away from. They're nine. not nines. Yeah, but it's 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 and two it's two away from ten. If you gave it a nine, straight jacket and right I, away. And I only saw it once in the theater. If like if I watch it again this week or next week, it. Could very well drop it back, drop it down to a seven, or raise it to a an eleven. Well, let's not. I don't. I don't think don't I would get all sharply on it. I don't think I would give it higher than an eight. But I, I really liked it that first time. Yeah, I think I'm going to side with you on this, Paul, and I'd probably give it an eight as well. Uh, I think they did a, an excellent job of uh, 
making sure that the movie was set in the time period that it needed to be. I, I remember when they were talking about doing a Cap movie, I always felt like, man, they better set it during World War Two, like, and, you know, let that be the first one, and then, you know, at the end they can freeze them and then thaw them out for Captain America 2 or the Avengers, and that's exactly what they did. Although, see, I felt like the, the, the epilogue in... Um, in Captain America should have been really the um, prologue in Avengers. Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was good the way that they did it because then you don't have to waste any of that film time in Avengers when you I, have it right there at the end of Captain America. It, it felt immensely out of place to me. I, I think that it... feel like it was, like stopped abruptly? No, it, it felt like it. it had a... Albeit it would have been a cliffhanger, but it would have been a very good cliffhanger ending to end it with him freezing. And then I think that they could have thawed him out in, at the very beginning of Avengers and let that movie take place you know, in present day rather than trying to shoehorn like a five-minute sequence into that movie at the end. I think Avengers probably had the worry that there's all this stuff going on, we have all these different characters, let's not burden it with that. Even though it's five minutes, it still is a big part of that character. Leave that separate, we're just going to hit the floor running, and, and that's what they chose to do. Right. So seven, or uh, seven and two eights. Did we like Captain America more than Iron Man 2? Yeah, yeah, I did. Did you? I thought Iron Man... I felt like Iron Man 2 was almost... Yeah, I did. I, I liked it more than Iron Man 2. It was so a little lackluster. Yeah, I it felt like they just kind of did the same thing as Iron Man 1. But I didn't I like it. Like the story really progressed. But I liked Iron Man 1 more than I liked Captain America. So did I. There's, there's other things with other Marvel movies that... Like, I can look at Thor 2, and as much as I liked it... The banana peels and cream pies bits just stick out at me is, uh, like, that's a blatant flaw. Well, you're same just with, an asshole, then! Same with all the stand-up comedy in Iron Man 3. Yeah. But with the first Cap movie, there's there's no glaring mistakes in it. There's there's nothing that stands out to me as a problem. So, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go confidently with an 8. That's cool. Let's, before we wrap up, let's do quick polynomics for... The Winter Soldier. Matt? Uh, my excitement's probably about, um... It's probably about a 7. My expectations are an 8. Hmm. Yeah. I think that, the, that this movie will improve on the first Avenger. I will give it crazy 8s, excitement, and expectation. I'm gonna go double 7s. And my name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. Back is out. We'll see you next week.